I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome in to the Achieve Tesla podcast. Tom Hackett, Steve Bartle with you guys as always. Um, we got we got, a, we got some fun stuff to talk about, stuff that I'm sure we'll talk about over the course of the off-season, but schedules uh, on a number of different fronts. We've got, we, we've got uh, Spring Ball was just released, so we've got a Spring Ball schedule all of a sudden. And then, of course, we've got uh, the Utah football schedule that came out a couple of weeks ago now that we'll dive into. And uh, like I said earlier, I'm sure it won't be the first time. Hey, follow Steve on Twitter, would you? Come on, don't be silly. At <laughs> Esbardle, 247. You can follow myself at Tom Cart Hackett. UteZone.com is where Steve works. I'm obviously uh, at KSL Sports, and we'd love for you guys to check out those websites as well. Nate Wade Subaru is our sponsor. Nate Wade Subaru, 1207 South Main Street, Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, NateWade.com. They've like transitioned their website to where you actually don't need to go into the dealership if you're not comfortable doing that. I know that the coronavirus coronavirus cases are dwindling here in the state which is magnificent but if you're still kind of on edge and would rather take the precautionary route take the website then go to netway.com and um you'll be able to get everything you need uh steve did you watch tony yep. fee now this morning i miss tony fee now but i'm watching uh watching the players championship right now and yeah it's uh it's as tough as uh, as it can get. So I feel bad for Tony, man. That was a that was a rough start. Ooh, is it ever? Uh, for those curious, this is Thursday, March eleventh. It's a podcast which lives forever. So we apologize if you listen to this after the fact. Tony Fina did not do well. Uh, he teed off early till like five thirty. He doubled yeah. the first. He started with a double bogey on one and made the turn, I think he was like six over par. He got to eight over par at one point and then crawled his way back to six over. But he's long shot off the leaders. He'll be lucky to make the cut. Needs a big day tomorrow, so that always sucks. I'm playing Valley View this weekend, Steve. Really? Oh, Valley View is a great course. I assume you've been up there before. You know, I've only been up there once. but uh, Oh, man. So I've had this thought for some time. I've never known how to like verbalize it or publicize it maybe is the better better word to use but when i play the game of golf i i i prefer to walk yeah uh <laughs> that's uh that's gonna be tough to do at, at valley view are you going 18 we're walking 18 <laughs> well uh bring lots of water <laughs> Um, yeah, man, you've, you're going to have some, some hikes on that course. Uh, you'll have some slopes going down of of course as well, but that's a, that's a fun track, man. Like it's, they, they got it nestled in there real, uh, real tight and, uh, it's, it's a fun course. And I want to start like, uh, not necessarily a blog, but like a page. I don't know. I want to like start to try and promote walking in golf more than it is because, Everybody yeah. takes the cut, and I get it. I'm a fan of the cut. Trust me. I love it. I 
sit there and we drive around and we drink our drinks and we eat our food and life is good. There's no sweating, but you don't get like a good sense of the layout when you, when you walk, when you drive. And it's, uh, I don't know. And, and you know what, Steve, uh, you're different than most because you sign up for that. What do you have? You have a card. Yeah, I've got the uh, SLC birdie pass. You've got the SLC so. birdie pass, but I don't, most people I don't think have that. And Nowadays, since the pandemic, cards are going at like 18 bucks. Yeah, man. They're, you know? they're pricey. Yeah, man. So just to go down to bloody Rose Park National, you're looking at like $47 a round or something. That's un- I love Rose Park National. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. I can't be paying that sort of coin. I got a kid now. Anyway, so yeah. <laughs> uh, it's fun. Do you, do you ever walk just out of curiosity? Yeah, yeah, I'll walk. I only, I usually only do that when I do nine holes. I've got just because I'm a big guy, you know. I'm, I'm, I've got a lot of Steve, you're not as big to carry as you around. claim to be. Come, on. <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm very, uh, but yeah, I've got, I've got a bad ankle, and so like if I walk for a long yeah. period of time or I run, it just gives out on me, and so I, I, uh, I try to keep it short, but I do walk. Yeah. From time to time. <laughs> uh, another question just out of curiosity, completely off subject. Have you ever asked a question to a player or a coach and they've been offended by the question? Ooh. I mean, I, I'm sure that I have because I'm an idiot and don't think things through before I ask things. So uh, I'm sure it's happened. <laughs> Did it so it, it doesn't happen often, but it happens, right? And it just barely oh, yeah. happened to me. I was um I was just doing RSL availability, the, the soccer side of things that I that I like to cover. And I asked a question to a player and he did not appreciate it. So like a lot of the time when I ask questions in soccer, I'm comfortable enough to be like, uh, I'll like give my and maybe this is like frowned upon. I don't even really know, but I'll like give my kind of give my opinion before I ask the question, but try and shorten it so that I'm not going on a spiel and I can get to the question pretty quick, but like preface the question with like a, just like a pretty simple analogy type thing. Right. And I did that and he was, and I like it, huh? He did not appreciate it. (laughs) Let me tell you, he did not appreciate it. So uh, I just thought I'd ask because I, and then, and then, like whether you like it or not, you, your heart starts pumping a bit. Like, oh, oh, damn! I shouldn't have asked that question. Yeah, in the manner yeah, I yeah. Did. But oh well, I mean, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> schedules. Schedules, man. Let's talk it. Let's talk but, schedules. Well, let's start with spring ball, shall we? So, what you got? Yeah. Mo- starts next Monday. Yeah, starts Monday the fifteenth. So. Uh, kind of crazy. We didn't hear anything for a long time, and then they just uh, they sprung this on us. When did they send this out? On Wednesday, yesterday. So, um, and you know, for for those like us, we we kind of heard that they were aiming for a mid March uh, beginning to spring camp, but uh, kind of surprising. It took them this long to get something official out. But yeah, it'll, it'll start. March 15th, and then they've got the uh, the red and white game on April, <clears throat> what, April 17th? Yep, April so, 17th. So, yeah, man, get in and out in about a month, and you're, Utah's good, man. I, um, I hate this time of year as a player. I hated this time of year as a player. 
yeah, I'm curious because um, for for you guys, for for the players that have have gone through spring ball, like how different is this? You know, compared to a fall camp where you've got a season that you're preparing for. There's I'm sure there's some you know some given motivation there, but what's like how is it going through spring ball compared to the rest of the year? It depend it depends on the, the the position you're in as a player. So like my obviously my first spring ball was really exciting because I was fighting for, for the job. And I was eager and I was like, you know, I was I was acting as if I was already in season. Yeah. Uh, but as my career progressed and, and as I got older and matured and became a better player and had more respect amongst the playing group and the coaching staff, it's it, but you, you put less of an emphasis on it. Um, sure. and, and what will it, often happen, Steve, is a lot of the best players, and I'm sure many people know this already, they just wrap yeah. them up in, in cotton wool and, yeah. and they kind of sit on the side. Yeah, and that's I was just about to, to make that point is, you know, typically as you get uh, older, you know, and you've got two, three, four years under your belt, is how, you know, just how valuable is, is spring ball, you know, and a lot of these guys are – are sitting out and just kind of protecting themselves. Yeah. And, and that of course depends on the position you play. Like, right. like Jalen Johnson, for example, when he was around, I'm sure he participated in spring ball, but Zach Moss was, wasn't really all that right. big of a participant because you, he takes hits. Jalen Johnson can evade hits for the most part. You know, they can, yeah. coaches can tell him, Hey, don't, don't tackle, just touch, you know, throughout spring ball. I no need to tackle, but, you can't really just tag a running back every time. You don't really get a good sense as to how the defense is tackling and whatnot. So uh, it's anyway, it's what I hate it because the winter conditioning is by far the worst winter conditioning. Steve is, is the pits dude. Yeah. It is the worst thing to ever exist because it's pointless. The, well, it's not point. It's, it's, it's around to get the guys in shape for spring ball. Right. That's its that's its only purpose. But it's grueling and it's cold and it's miserable and it's like you're so far from the season, yet you're required to show up and do like crazy amounts of and the workouts in winter are harder than they are in summer, dude. Sure, sure. I was just gonna ask, like, what do your workouts typically include during the winter? Like they always, they post videos and we get clips and stuff, but I'm curious, like how long are those workouts? And like, what are you guys doing in that? So like, it's not necessarily that the time, the length of a workout changes from winter to summer. It's just what, what occurs in the workout that I right. find hard. It's a lot of like sled work takes place in the winter time from memory. And, and you need to like, understand, I'm sure the workouts have changed since I was, was last there. They've got Ernie, uh, the wild scientist Ernie, who's kind of conducting all of the drills, and he's putting his wisdom to work. And then Coach E is obviously yeah. a big part of uh, of all of that as well. But yeah, goodness gracious! And so, like, you go through all the pain and agony of of winter conditioning, and then you get into spring ball, and you're bound to have one or two players suffer a season-ending injury. I feel like that Tough. happens. I feel like that happens every year, does it? Yeah, I think there's there's been injuries in spring ball, and it's an unfortunate result of just the game and, and what you're doing. Um, I'm trying to think of the last the last time we there was a big injury because we didn't didn't have one last year, right? Uh, just because we didn't have spring camp, 
<laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah. But uh, before that, I, I can't recall the last time there, there was a, a big injury. But, I mean, you go back, gosh, what was the – I'm sure that there was one during during your time there that oh, was that, that pretty brutal. I mean, I saw a lot of injuries, so they all kind of mesh together now. But and spring ball is you know, brutal. It's it's a difficult part of of college football, Utah football in particular, just because I'm sure that these workouts are are very very difficult, and yeah. um, it's it's just you know it's a tough part of the game, and and you know now that you've been through it, like <laughs> you're you're a better man because of it, Tom. I don't know if that's the case. I think I'm angrier. I think I'm grumpier. <laughs> Here's, if I was a head coach, if I was a head coach, I would really consider um, conducting spring ball in this manner. I, I would get certain players, upperclassmen predominantly, and, and put them on their own field with assistant coaches to go through drills that are very, I guess, light and like the, 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 the chances of injury are very slim. And then I would get the younger group the freshmen, the sophomores, even some juniors if they're yet to see much of the field, and, and even some seniors if they haven't seen any of the field yet as well. And I would let them add it, man. Like, it's all, like, because spring ball is such a great opportunity for players right. that are yet to prove their worth to prove themselves. Right. It's a fantastic time. You, you've got all the eyes of the coaching staff on you. You, you've, you've, you finally. It's like because come the season, a lot of those kids that don't see the field, they're just on scout team. Sure. You know, and yeah. and, and it's like co- the coaching staff don't really get a good glimpse of what you're all about on scout team. You're trying to replicate the 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 upcoming opposition, and so spring ball is their time to shine. And I wish. I wish that they would get more of an opportunity. They they still get an opportunity, but the firsts, the first team and the second team, they get a lot of reps too. And I I just am like, uh, I mean, like maybe it should vary year to year. If you have a new quarterback, like like Utah may do it this year with Charlie Brewer, maybe you don't you don't do it that way. But but if you've got good leadership at the quarterback in some of the key positions, then. I wish the younger the younger guys would get after it a bit more than they do. Yeah, and I think you know we we saw that two years ago when Utah was very um, upperclassman heavy, you know, on both sides of the ball. Tyler Huntley, Zach Moss, Julian Blackman, Terrell Burgess. Like I remember those guys participating in practices, but you know, as we got closer to the red and white game, a lot of those guys were just sitting out and and they didn't even participate in in the spring game. And so I do think that there's a lot of validity to that. You want obviously you want to protect your your best players, um, but you also want to protect your your upperclassmen just because you know they've been through it. They've <laughs> they've gone through this for for a few years now, and uh, and a lot of those upperclassmen are are utilized as depth. So uh, it's going to be interesting, particularly at the quarterback position. I think with you know um, without Cameron Rising this spring, obviously as as Coach Whittingham has talked about. Uh, but you got Brewer, the senior, four-year starter, and then you've got three really promising freshmen, really, with Jaquindon Jackson uh, coming here from Texas. You've got Peter Costelli coming in as the highly touted four-star guy, and then you've got you've also got the redshirt freshman in in, uh, in Cooper Justice, 
who Utah is, is really, really high on. A lot of them, you know, people that I've talked to consider him uh, in the same mold of Travis, uh, Travis Wilson. So, you know, he's got some ability there. He's just really raw. Um, and how they kind of divvy up those reps between those guys, uh, you know, in, in regards to what we've been talking about uh, is going to be really interesting. I think with, with Charlie Brewer, there's a need to get him a good chunk of reps, but I also think you want to see what Costelli and Jackson bring to the table just because they are those, uh, those big time talents. So, you know, We'll, we'll, uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how they divvy up reps for, for the entire roster, just considering it is very freshman heavy. Um, if you look at the, the roster, uh, but particularly at that quarterback position, because obviously that's priority number one, you got to figure out what you got there. So, uh, really, really interested in, in that this spring. I'm sure the coaching staff have a pretty good idea of, of like what to expect, but I right. bet every now and again, they, they get surprised. And I think that's also something that's worth worth noting is like Peter Costelli deserves when you start when spring ball starts. I, I hope that that Peter Costelli um, and all the quarterbacks for that matter get as many reps as Charlie Brewer does. And I don't think it's fair on anybody to be put on a pedestal without having a without without having thrown a football yet. You know what I mean? And then and then look, spring ball goes for. Uh, four to six weeks. I mean, it's a decent stretch. It, it may be um, not as long this year due to the pandemic, but Freddie, I'm, I'm on a podcast. Um, <laughs> but, but normally Gosh, it goes, Freddie, come on. Uh, can you hear him? <laughs> yeah. Freaking uh, Freddie. Uh, he's, start, he's starting to figure out his voice. Give me one second. I'm going to quickly mute myself. And <laughs> so I just, uh, shouted at my wife to uh to figure this uh this out what i'm getting at is you've got plenty of time to figure out who the best players are at every position group and i think you know when when there is question marks you gotta you gotta start at a level playing field and and utah does a pretty good job with that so um another position group steve that i'd love to hear your thoughts on because i'm i'm gonna follow them closely is uh, the offensive line i thought they ended last year on a, on a high, you know, as opposed to the year before where they ended the year on a low with the, with the loss to Oregon. And then of course the, the loss to Texas, they were dreadful in both those fixtures uh, or matchups. And um, last year they, they ended on a high, but they started slow. And so they, right. they've got to find consistency throughout the entire year, which is something they've battled over the last few seasons. What are you, what are you looking at there? I think the big thing for, for that group is, continuing to grow continuity. I think that's kind of the big key is um, you've got some dudes on that offensive line that have the size, the strength, the athleticism to be really, really good players. Uh, you know, you've got some talented young guys in Jaron Kump and Sata Oala Omea on that right side, and their progress is going to be key. And I think, you know, Nick Ford moving inside to center is fascinating because not only did he play well, uh, but you've got Orlando Umana, you know, still on the roster, and, and that's the, the position that he manned. And so I'm fascinated to see what happens, you know, as they get reps and get deep into this thing, you know, what's going to happen at that position specifically. Um, I, I think Nick Ford, well, I, you know, he – I think – I understand the reasoning bet- between – I understand the reasoning for trying him out at left tackle – you know, he's good athlete. He's a guy that you trust. Um, and you try him out at left tackle. And obviously it didn't work. Orlando Umana 
goes down with his injury and he moves inside and, and really shines. And I, I thought that that was, you know, a lot of people that we've talked to have considered center and the interior, obviously his, his, where he's best suited. And I thought he showed really, really well in, in that, uh, in that position. So, um, you know, I think finding, obviously I think we have a good idea of the top six and top seven offensive linemen, um, you know, you've got the five of Simi, uh, Braden, uh, Nick, Satoa, Jaron, and then you've got Orlando. You've got Keaton Bills in that mix. You've got Johnny Maia still on the roster who who did some nice things the previous year. So um, it's going to be fascinating to sort this all out. Um, but I think the big thing is getting that top six, top seven uh, group uh, a lot of reps together and, and building that continuity. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, Bam Olaseni, you see, is a name I'm going to be. Because, yeah, he's such a, he was such a big recruit and he had so yeah. many offers. And I know that doesn't always um, doesn't always carry over to to actually playing and getting minutes. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he's so big and he seems to be – anyway, I'm, I'm excited. Look, we're not going to go through every position group on this episode because we'll do that over the course of spring ball. We've, we've touched on the quarterback and the offensive line, but just to think about all the other position groups out there and the conversations that, that are, that are going to come. I mean, it's awesome. You've got the running back group mm-hmm. after the tragic passing of Ty Jordan, massive question mark there with a few transfers. Uh, the wide receivers have lost a ton of talent, and so now – that group's and we touched on this a lot in the previous episode has shrunk and now you know more question marks can money parks be more of a playmaker for the team in 2021 and then defensively i think you know with the departure of Nate Ritchie there's a there's an opening there at the safety position uh Clark Phillips the third ended his season with pick 6 where does he go from there defensive lines always fun because they're always bruising and of course Devin Lloyd's at the linebacker spot and you're bringing in you're bringing in as good of a linebacking class as you've ever brought in. So what are they going to showcase in spring and in summer and fall camp prior to this? I mean, there's just conversations are plenty to be had, and we're not going to get to them all today, which is unfortunate. But if we were, we'd be here for hours upon hours, and you guys, I'm sure, would rather us break it up. So <laughs> let's move forward, Steve, and get to the season, because that yes. is a fascinating conversation in its own right. Um, I'm going to go through the schedule. I'll be quick. And then I want, I, I guess I, I want to hear your thoughts as to, and you've written pieces about this on utezone.com. So if you want to read and, uh, and hear more about the season and everything else, utezone.com is where you can go. But they open the season Thursday, September 2nd at home against the Weber State Wildcats. They go on the road a week later to BYU. They, uh, they go on the road again to play San Diego, uh, San Diego State. Down there, down there at Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson, California. Their first Pac-12 fixture is on the September 25th. It's a home game against the Cougars, Washington State Cougars. The only bye week is then at USC, Arizona State at home, at Oregon State, UCLA at home, at Stanford, at Arizona, at home against Oregon, and they round the season out at home against Colorado. Your first thoughts and impressions, Steve? Well, pretty favorable schedule overall. I mean, when you whenever you you start with five home games and four road games in conference play, that's that's obviously uh, pretty pretty favorable. So um, from that um, from that standpoint, 
You look at the out-of-conference schedule, nothing too daunting. Obviously, BYU at BYU is kind of the, the headliner. It is the headliner there. Um, obviously, BYU has lost a lot of production. They've done a good job of recruiting, and particularly with you know the Nakua brothers going there, it'll be interesting to see their impact on the offense. But they've still got some some guys on that roster. Tyler Algier is the running back there, and um, – and, and then they've still got Gunnar Romney, who's a, a productive receiver. So they've got some pieces, but they're relo- reloading across the board. Uh, but that'll be a tough test. And then San Diego State is is an interesting team. They're very similar to Utah in terms of how they operate. They're run-heavy, a good defensive team, uh, and they've – They've competed really well against the Pac-12. Uh, I know that they knocked, they've they knocked off, I think, Stanford before, I think a couple times even. Um, and so they've, uh, they've, uh, they'll be a tough test. But getting into conference play, I love the fact that they open up with Washington State just to kind of get adjusted to, to these pass-heavy offenses that Utah is going to see this season. You start off with, with Washington State. Uh, you get the bye week, and then obviously traveling to USC uh, with that additional time in your pocket and time to prepare. Uh, USC has to replace a lot. They still have a ton of talent on the team. Drake Jackson, that edge defender, is is going to be a tough test for the offensive line. And then you've got Drake, Drake London, the big-time, big slot receiver, dual-sport guy at USC and uh, and then obviously the headliner there is Keaton Slovis the quarterback but you know to have that bye uh, the week before the USC game is huge because not only does that allow this team to prepare for that game it also allows them to to prepare for this this two week stretch that they'll have going at USC and then coming back to ASU those are arguably the most important games on the schedule this year. Uh, if Utah wants to compete in the Pac-12 championship game, this is you know this is largely going to determine kind of the pecking order in the Pac-12 South uh, this this two week stretch for Utah. So uh, you got to come prepared, and I think uh, you have to like how the schedule sets up early with those first three games and the bye week uh, squished between uh, squished uh, in between that Washington State and USC game. Um, you know, and then you look at the rest of the schedule, nothing too daunting. Uh, you've got Oregon coming to Salt Lake city in late November. That'll be a fantastic matchup. Um, it'll be fun to see the, the impact of, uh, you know, Oregon coming to Salt Lake city, uh, when it's a bit colder, uh, fans have always wanted to get, you know, the, the tough games, the, the, the big games, Oregon, USA, they've always wanted to get those games at home late in the season when it's cold. Um, and uh, it'll be interesting to see the impact that that game, the, the weather, just the, the, just the atmosphere in general, uh, what that will have, uh, what kind of impact that will have on that, on that game. So um, overall, when you look at the schedule, there's not a lot of things to gripe about. It's pretty favorable, pretty doable, pretty manageable. And, uh, you know, Utah uh, has a great opportunity to um, do to, to do really well uh, with this 2021 season. Without a doubt. Um, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly with just about everything you said. You seem to be under the impression that a bye week prior to USC is a good thing, Steve. Is that fair for me to assume? Yeah. Yeah. I, obviously, you know, you would love to have – 
the bye week a little, maybe a week or two later in the year. Um, it's kind of tough after the fourth game of the season, but I, I think if, if you had to pick, I think coaches would, would want to have that additional week before USC than any other game on the schedule. Yeah, uh, you're probably right. Um, I don't, I don't know if, I don't have a strong opinion either way, to be honest. I mean, I just, I don't know if a bye week helps or if it doesn't help. I sure. think it depends yeah. on the players and how they respond because sometimes what happens or at least what comes across is teams will have a bye week and, and they just don't look like they have the same energy as they did prior to the bye week. It's almost like they've, sl- they've slowed down a bit. They've lost their momentum and, and whatnot. So hopefully that doesn't happen to Utah. I, I vaguely remember, and this is just off the top of my head, so, so please forgive me. It's a quick Google search that I could do, but I'm lazy, so I won't. I think it was 2015, my senior year. We had a bye week before USC, and we, that was back when we were number two in the country, and Vegas had us uh, as the underdog. And I was thinking to myself, boy, you know, we've got a bye week, so we're going to get healthy again, and we've got USC on the road. Um, this is the time, you know, where we stamp our authority and we lost. You know, it was like that. that it was the game that Travis decided to throw three picks to uh, to the linebacker, whatever his name was. What was his name, Steve? Uh, Cameron, uh, Cameron Smith. Smith. I think that's right. Um. So yeah, I don't. Know, I guess maybe I've had bad experience with the bye week. But I, I'm sure this team's different. I don't know. I don't have an opinion. I just. You know, when the, when the schedule came out a couple of weeks ago, I saw a lot of people talking about how the bye week before USC was a good thing. And I don't disagree with you. I'm not saying you're wrong. Uh, I'm saying, I'm saying I, I don't really know what to think. I, I, I'd love to ask Coach Witt that, actually. I'd love to ask any coach that out there, do you, if they feel as though a bye week before a big game is a good thing or a bad thing, and see kind of what they all have to say. But look, that two-week stretch there at USC and then Arizona State, when you go back and look at the recent history of the Pac-12 South, Steve, I mean, they're, they're the two teams. It's USC, Arizona State, and Utah that dominated the Pac-12 South over the last, well, I don't know, what, five, six, seven years now. UCLA, Arizona, um, Colorado have kind of struggled. Colorado had one good year, and they found themselves down the bottom the rest of the year. So that that's the two-week stretch right there. October 9th away at USC and then October 16th at home against Arizona State, who weren't great last year but didn't play many games because they had such a bad uh, case of, of COVID-19 circulating their program. I think they're the two teams, as they have been over the past couple of years, that Utah needs to try and uh, take apart and... And if they can get through that two-week stretch at two and zero, then you know I'd bet my house that, that Utah wins the Pac-12 South. Yeah, I I agree. I it's uh, I think for the most part, a lot of people kind of look at this Pac-12 South. Uh, it's going to come down to USC, ASU, and Utah. Yeah, and 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 then obviously, kind of the wild card uh, is uh, is UCLA. They return a lot. I think they return even the most um, production experience in the Pac-12. Um, would have to double check on that, but they're they're one of the top teams in the entire country in terms of what they return. So they've got a lot. It's just Chip Kelly, man. Like he hasn't been able to figure it out since he's since he's been back in since the game. He cheated. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He hasn't been able yeah. to figure it out since he cheated. Uh, yeah. You know what though? With credit to UCLA, they they were fun to watch last year. Oh yeah, like, like they, they were. were you do know, you remember that game against Washington State? 
two years ago. Yeah. Oh, was that two years ago now? My that was goodness. two years ago. Yeah, that the major comeback. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. And then, you know, they came into Salt Lake City uh, and uh, <laughs> were, were, uh, were chirping a little bit. And uh, I think they lost, what was it, 49 to 3? Something yeah. like that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back to Pasadena <laughs> yeah, in your baby blue. Uh, all right. Hey, I want to do this. Um, I'm going to go through the teams uh, in order in which Utah will play them. And I just want you to say win or loss. Pretty simple. Okay. And and if I disagree, I'll pipe up. But if I but if I don't, we move on. Yeah. Uh, Weber State. Win at BYU. Number ten. There you go. Sorry, you had me thinking that for a second. I'm like number ten. Oh yes, yes, yes. Uh, at San Diego. It'll be tough, but I, I think they I think they they win that one. Yeah, they should. 3 and 0 to start the the uh the 2021 season. That's I can't remember the last time Utah lost a non-conference game, but I guess that's come You do you know that off the top yeah. of your head, Steve? Not off the top of my head. Oh, no stress. We it's can been we a can, while. We can talk about that another time. But I, yeah, it has been a while. Um all right, we'll enter the Pac-12 schedule. So Utah's 3 and 0 entering conference play. Washington Washington State at home. Uh, they're going through a lot of their own issues, a lot of personnel, a lot of roster turnover. Uh, and so I don't think that they get that sorted out. That's a win. 4-0 uh, at USC. I really, really want to say that this will be a win. I really, really want to believe that the bye week is going to benefit Utah in this instance. However, it's still at the Coliseum. It's still in L.A. where Kyle Whittingham and Utah have not been able to win and so until they do, you know, I <laughs> I don't know what it is about Utah in L.A. and in the Coliseum, but they have to they have to prove it. So I'm going to say that this is a loss. I am 100 percent with you. Um, that's four and one at home against Arizona State. How do they bounce back? This is going to be a, an intense game. Obviously, I think we've seen um, uh, these two programs. There's a lot of uh, dis- dislike between the two programs. Uh, and so, you know, I do think that Utah pulls out the victory here, but it's going to be, man, it's going to be a slobber knocker. I yeah. think, but, but Utah wins slobber knocker. Yeah. I like heavyweight I, bout, man. I, I've never heard, I've heard, never heard of that term slobber knocker. That's some, <laughs> that's some, I like it. Uh, that's five and one. And then, uh, the schedule softens up a little bit of the Oregon state away from home. They're, uh, they're an up and coming team. Yeah, you know Jonathan Smith deserves a lot of credit. He's uh, he's done a, about as good a job considering it is Oregon State, um, but he's he's brought in a lot of talent through the transfer portal. Um, they return a lot. Uh, again, they are another team that returns a lot of production and experience. However, I just think the talent gap is is uh, is too great, and I think Utah wins this one. At six and one, UCLA at home. Man, again, like we just talked about a, a couple minutes ago, uh, this team is going to be a wild card. Uh, they have a lot of talent um, on both sides of the ball. I think Chip Kelly, I don't know. I don't know what to say about Chip Kelly. He's obviously been a big disappointment thus far in his career uh, or this his tenure at UCLA. Um, and so, you know, Utah won big in 2019. Um, I'm going to say that, you know, they're going to, to win big again this year. So, the, so, so that would be six and one, I think. Let me double check. Three, four, five, six. That's seven games in. Yep, you, you've called one loss. So uh, six and one 
entering the month of November uh, at Stanford. Steve, what are you thinking? Man, I uh, Stanford is is a fascinating team because they've been such an enigma over the last two seasons, uh, particularly with the quarterback position. They do have a lot um, coming back. They've got a lot of talent coming in as well. Um, but Utah has just had Stanford's number. Um, and and so I'm just going to rely on that fact, and I'm going to say Utah wins. Uh, at Arizona, new coach, will anything change? No, this Arizona has absolutely no talent. They've been gutted in terms of the, the talent that they have. They do, I should, to be fair, they do bring back a, a good amount of talent that they had last year, uh, but this is a rebuild for Arizona. It's going to take some time, but Utah should win this. And then uh, two home games to round it out. How do you feel about Oregon and Colorado to, to finish the regular season? Uh, <laughs> that Oregon game is going to be uh, going to be intense. It's going to be a fight, uh, but I just think uh, it's uh, it's going to be a tough one for Utah. Really fascinated to see the progress of the offense and particularly the quarterback position. Um, I think that will be key for Utah in particular. Uh, but I'm just going to uh, I'm going to say Oregon wins this one. Yeah. What about Colorado? You're going to give uh, give the seniors what they deserve and a win in their last bout as as members of the Utah football team. Yeah, I, I think Utah wins this one. They come back home. Uh, it was a big win last year on the road in Colorado. Uh, you know, and, and I think uh, Utah, with what they bring back, with the defense that they have, they, they shut this one. They shut this thing down and, and, uh, and get the win against Colorado. Yeah. So you've gone 10-2 and two with losses to Oregon and USC, yep. Steve. Uh, so here's what I, what I, what I normally do. Um, is I'll, uh, and I, I, I tend to agree with just about everything you had to say. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they go 10-2. and two, But Utah, history, recent history would suggest they, um, they lose a game they yeah. shouldn't. Yeah, uh, I agree. So it just yeah. That so then then we go, or at least I'll go, probably nine and three, and I'm probably looking at UCLA or at Oregon State as one cool. of those losses that you just go, you know, like both pretty good teams now. Oregon State pretty good, UCLA pretty good, um, but Utah's better, and Utah should probably get the job done. But my best guess is that they won't. So. Yeah, um, and, and and I agree. I it's hard to predict which game Utah could drop, but you know the track record says they'll drop one that they shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, well, there's Freddie again. So that's uh, Freddie. That's uh, that's my cue. Nate Wade Subaru is our sponsor. Steve Bartle and myself will be back next week. We love and appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Newzone.com, KSLSports.com. Do us all a favor. Enjoy the weekend. Go Tony Fina. See you, Steve. See you, Tom. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. 
Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.